Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers here, the Wake Up Call Coach and the creator of the Mama Truth Circle. And we are here today to talk about a very important topic, one that is near and dear to my heart. We're gonna do some massive truth-telling today about mothering through the shitstorms of life. Because I'm sure you've noticed there's been a few shitstorms that have been going on in our country and in the world right now, whether it's what happened in Charlottesville and the rise of white nationalism in our country and the way that number 45 responded to that, or it's the tropical storm and Hurricane Harvey that has been sweeping across parts of the United States and leaving so many of our beloved brothers and sisters in this country knee deep, neck deep in water and in shelters. And so, and, and then of course, just the season of going back to school, which happened for a lot of us this month and last month. And so it's just like, we are swirling in this shit storm. So I wanted to bring an expert on shit storms, a woman that I greatly admire, that is really someone that is teaching our children how to be filled with self-love and really starting a compassion revolution, as they say at Go Girls. So I'm so delighted to have Allison Kinney here with us today. She's the co-owner of Spotlight Girls, which you can check out at spotlightgirls.com. She's a radical children's writer with her incredible book, Starring Celia, which I highly recommend, and an award-winning blogger at raisingagogirl.com. All of those URLs will be in the show notes. Allison, thank you so much for being here on this Mama Truth show to help us weather the shit storms of life right now. Yes, I love it. Thank you for having me. Talking about this in community is the thing to do. And just a little side note about me, my name, Allison, actually means truthful one. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to dig in. Awesome. Well, Amy means beloved. So we have beloved truth-telling women on this call right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> so I'll, I'll share with you that I, you know, I'd had a conversation, an age appropriate conversation with my daughter, Annabella, who just turned 10, um, about Charlottesville and about what was happening. And then she asked me the other day, is there any other news that I need to know about mommy before her first day of school? So we were talking about Hurricane Harvey and what was happening there. And she looked at me and she said, mommy, is our country going to be okay? And my heart broke and I was like, thank you so much. What a beautiful question. And I just wanted to get your insight. Like, what do we do? Because our, our children ask the most profound questions. Those of us who have children that are verbal and that are, are doing their thing in that way and that are old enough for that. But I just find their questions so profound. And I'd love for you to just share some of your expertise about how to respond to these really important and profound questions from our children. Yes, I celebrate that the first thing you did with um, Annabella is thank her for the yeah. question. We always want our kids to know that we are the ones to bring questions to. Yes. That um, we will listen, that we will t do our best to tell the truth, and they can trust and rely on us. Um, for consistency as they grow older and older. So that thank you is a really important um, mm. piece to it. And, um, you know, when we're wondering what's an age-appropriate response, yes. when we're talking about racial justice or a world tragedy, um, 
what I have learned through practice, through working with a thousand at least girls, um, and also through um, training in the kid power methodology. Yes. Of our curriculum partners at Spotlight Girls. I want to give them credit because some of the things that I'm about to share have been informed by their philosophy. Um, and that is that our kids, once they know they can really trust us to tell the truth, the way we know what's age appropriate is the question that they're asking. Mm. So we, rather than sort of launching into a monologue about <laughs> our best guesses of all the things they might need to know, yeah. um, we can remember kids are pretty literal. Um, kids are thinking about things potentially in fragmented ways. They heard one thing on the news, they heard something else at school. They're trying to connect that to stories they know that are um, part of their life so far. They're trying to make sense of complex issues. So if we don't listen to what they're asking and answer just that question, we are risking bombarding them with more information than they need and triggering them deeper and overwhelming and creating more fear, mm. which we want to do. Right. Um, so listening to the question to know what they're really asking. So your daughter, is the country going to be all right? Yeah. I'm worried about this like existential feeling I have of gloom and doom. Right? Yeah. That's information. And so um, sometimes though they're wanting to know something really specific and really literal. So listening for those clues and then answering matter of factly with the truth yeah. in positive um with a, a, a positive demeanor. So kids read energy so deeply. So we can say certain words like, um, the country really is struggling with a lot of challenges right now, is different than the country is really struggling right. with all these challenges. And I know, I worry too. Yeah. Right, they're picking up our energy. So the positivity isn't Pollyanna, it isn't like shining up a challenging situation, but it's being responsible for the energy we bring in the conversation mm. so it's having processed our grief our high anxiety whatever we have a right to feel as adults with our adults mm. and not allowing our kids to overhear so that when we're ready to talk to them and when they're asking and if they catch us off guard in a moment and we can't stay calm for the conversation it's great to say I'm so glad you asked let's set a time when we can talk more about that maybe because you're running out the door beautiful you're upset you just get to model that boundary. I will not forget to answer this question. Yeah. Let's save it for dinner tonight. Yeah. Um, I, lo I, lo I just want to highlight some of these things that you're saying because they're gold, Allison. And, you know, what I hear you saying is, first of all, whenever our kids ask these big questions or whenever they've overheard something and you can tell that they, like, come home from school and say, oh, you know, so-and-so said, you, you know, whatever it is, whether yeah. it's about sex, whether it's about drugs, whether it's about you know, huge things that are going on in the world, whatever it is, those big questions, like in that moment for us to be able to thank them for asking the question and really let them know that we want to be their safe place, even when the questions are really, really hard. And I love the permission that you just gave us as moms, as parents, as guardians, as aunties, for us to also, if we're in that triggered emotional state, for us to say, let let me let's talk about that before bedtime tonight or let's talk about that in the morning or let's talk about that i'm so glad you asked and for to give us permission to take care of ourselves before we go to our children so we're not dumping on them our own grief our own despair about what's going on in the world 
And I've just, I love that you just shared that. And I think that is incredibly powerful because we can in those moments when we're triggered, that's the worst time for us to be having these conversations. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, so important. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's really, you know, like uh, my family, um, we're an adoptive family. We've come together through lots of grief and loss. And so that challenging conversations is a staple of our everyday existence. And mm. so I can say through having lots and lots and lots of practice um, in my home and my day-to-day -day life about talking about hard things, that our kids are looking to us to show them a way to process challenging news. And they need to see that we are their safety and they deserve their, I really believe that all kids and especially kids of color who are perceived to be older than they are, research shows it, deserve wow. space to be innocent, deserve yeah. space to be little. I'm a big mm. believer in that hashtag, let them be little because um, yes, they deserve the truth, especially when they're asking questions and we don't wanna shelter them from the real life and at the same time, they deserve to experience as much joy and as much freedom from responsibility in their childhoods as possible. Mm. And so staying calm is part of allowing them to not have to caretake us. It's part of allowing them permission to have their feelings and, and go through whatever they need to go through, whether it's the math test at school or my grandparents are in Houston and had to get rescued by a boat. In the case of my little girl, they're safe. But these are the kinds of things that we give them information about in the age-appropriate ways, and and we're modeling calm and answering the question, so is our country going to be okay? We can buy ourselves time if we need to. Mm. And then the answer, you know, a lot of people are worried about that too. Yeah. I certainly understand why you're thinking about that. There are challenges around how people of different races are um, not working together. There are, um, there's a leader in office who is making decisions that hurts people. Yeah. So there are things to be worried about, assuming those are things you've already talked about. So naming the sort of validation. Yeah. And then the reassurance comes in with, I want you to know that we as a family and we as a nation are doing everything we can to keep everybody safe and sound and to elect fair leaders yeah to work for the country that is not just okay but that is a wonderful place to live mm. ending with that framing of what the goals are and what we believe and what the plan is so in our family we're doing everything we can to fight for justice mm -hmm. and to make the world we want to live in you can count on me for that mm. So it's grounding in what is true, which is what we're all doing about it. And that she can, when she pictures these big challenges that might be overwhelming, what she can also picture is that mom is a safe person to talk to. Mom is focusing on solutions. I can focus on solutions and I can assume my world is safe most of the time. Right. Yeah, well, and I think that you know, this is one of the things, you know, I went to the recent rally in Berkeley and, and also went to a vigil for Charlottesville and Rob stayed, my husband, Rob stayed home with the kids. And I went by myself because it was just like deeply, deeply important to my soul to show up in that way. And 
it was so great because, you know, I was making signs and Annabella was helping me make signs. And I was talking to the girls about what I was standing up for and what we believe in, in our house. And then, you know, and then I was taking videos when I was there so they could see, and Annabella really wanted to come to the rally in Berkeley, which once I was there, I was like, oh, I wish I would have brought her, but I just wasn't sure. We didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't sure what was going to go down. And then unfortunately things got a little crazy at the end of that, but I wasn't, I was already home at that time. Thank goodness. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, this is one of the things that I really want to be modeling for my kids is, you know, in this family, we believe these things and we actually go take action about these things. And I think that that's something, and I know you and I, we did a wake up call Wednesday on how to stand up for racial justice. And we've put, put together a beautiful um, list of resources in a Google drive that anyone can access. There's no opt-in, there's no email, there's nothing like that. It's just, here's some resources that we found. I'm going to share a link from, so in the show notes, you'll find a link to that resource guide. And you and I were really able to, as white women, to talk more about those issues. And I just was curious if you had any thoughts about specifically talking about racial justice with our children. I know that you're in a biracial family, so you have some experience with this with your daughter, with your wife. And then I know that a lot of my listeners, quite frankly, are white moms. And so, you know, and so I, I feel like one of the things that I want to do with whatever, you know, small or big audience platform, whatever you want to call it that I have is to share from a white woman's perspective of what we can do as white women to really stand up and be allies to people of color. What would you like to share about that, Allison? Thanks for asking. I yeah. love that question because um, that's the question I'm, my hope is that all white women and white mamas are asking themselves right now. Yeah. Um, because I know growing up white, Irish American, um, we just didn't talk about race at all. Nope. Um, so to stop that cycle, um, the first thing we get to do and the resource guide that you're posting has lots of resources about talking to your kids about race. The main thing is being willing to as a white person, even if we don't get it perfectly and being willing to jump in. Um, and, and jump in those waters um, because kids are learning how to be in the world from tying their shoes to looking to their parents for facial cues as babies. And if we weave racial justice and compassion and advocacy through all of those moments, it just becomes the same as breathing. So the main thing I wanna say is to do it and keep doing it all the time and practice it to get better at it. So take a stab at those resources that are in the guide. One is an amazing hip hop album that drops today for children by awesome. uh, the Alphabet Rockers, who I also work with and love and adore. It's called Rise, Shine, Woke. And mm -hmm. it is this stunning soundtrack of um, questions to ask with your kids. Of wow. Girl power anthems of two nine year old boys rapping about justice. And one of the lines is If you don't look like me, will you still have my back? Um, and performed oh at their school talent show. Wow. So there are kids singing on this album, and you play it in your car and you talk about the lyrics. It can be that simple. It's uplifting, it's joyful, and it's real. And it has incredible starting point. So that's just one. So bringing books and art and music into your home um, that really honors and celebrates differences 
and also explaining that sometimes white people and brown people are treated differently. Right. Um, and so there's another website that I've written for actually, um, Race Conscious Children. I'll add that to oh, great. Um, I hadn't thought of it until now. It's a great resource because it's started by an educator who will only allow, she has lots of us guest bloggers on there, but she'll only allow people to um, write stories that include direct dialogue that they have used with kids. Wow. So literally like a thousand scripts of how to talk to your kids about race. So there's lots of really smart people saying, here's how I want to say, do it. Yeah. I say, don't be scared. Um, it's really important for our kids to see us trying as white people, even if we're not perfect. And just like anything else, the questions are a great place to start. So I started learning how to talk to my child about racial identity when she started asking, what's my skin color, mama? What um, race am I? Oh, I know. I must be Latina. That's what my friend um, Yesenia is. We talked about it in the bathroom in kindergarten. Wow. Oh, no, babe. But let's talk more about that. So she yeah. was letting me know, hey, we haven't talked enough about this because I'm confused. Right. Uh, and so as she's getting older, there's more and more and more conversations to have. But identity forming is just like any of the ways our kids are forming. Their sexuality, their academic relationship to school, their friendship and social dynamics. We just can't leave it out. Opting out of the conversations as white people is a privilege that we can afford that is a dangerous privilege when brown people are um, fighting for their lives in our country right now. So we just keep talking to our kids and don't give up. I think this is so important. And, and I know for me, as I've been waking up more and more and more around this topic and feeling more and more activated and passionate around this topic, I feel like, um, the whole concept of white fragility, which there's some articles and the resources that we're sharing. And I realize how true that has been in my own experience, that every time I even bring up the topic and it's getting easier, here's the thing that I want to let you know to my fellow, you know, white mamas, it gets easier, I swear, because in the beginning, it was like, I was so afraid of saying the wrong thing that I'd be fumbling over my words, that I'd feel my entire body, like I'd break out in a, in a sweat. I did a whole race relations series here on the Mama Truth Show and, and literally I'd wake up at four in the morning sweating. And then I'd wake up the next morning at four in the morning after recording a show, worried that I'd said the wrong thing, worried that I had revealed too much, worried that I misrepresented something, whatever it is. And then I'm like, this is what they're talking about when they say totally. white fragility, because we didn't <laughs> learn it as kids. We didn't yeah. learn how to, like we were told, I feel like a lot of us were told, you just, you don't talk about it. You be colorblind, the whole concept of colorblind, which is really important for us to, to not be teaching our children that it is such a way of not acknowledging and seeing a person of color for the truth of who they are. We're truth tellers right here on the Mama Truth Show. So let's talk about that, right? And like, I feel like that's the way that I was raised. It was like, you kind of noticed it, but then you tried to pretend that you didn't notice it. And so really wanting, as I raise my two daughters, to really talk about these things. And like you said, to have the imperfect conversations and then to realize, wow, that wasn't the way I wanted to approach that. And then go back and make a repair with your child and say, you know what, that conversation the other day that we had in the car on the way to school, when you asked a really huge question right before you hopped out for, of carpool, I, I didn't say, I, I, wanna, I wanna do over. <laughs> I wanna do over of how I wanna respond to that, you know? Yeah. So, oh man, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I appreciate your vulnerability about the nuances. I think as long as we're embarrassed about white fragility, we'll stay stuck in it. Yes. So to sort of undo, lift that veil and go, oh, hey, this is what, like, white fragility is a real thing. Here's how I experience it. It takes a lot of courage, and I, I, I'm here to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one thing I shared when we spoke last time was just that I feel like talking about these challenging topics as white people around race um, is a muscle that can get strengthened. Yes. And um, I'll share a conversation I had at the dinner table literally two nights ago with my little girl and my wife and a friend who was visiting who's also a woman of color. So two adults of color, me and my little girl who's biracial, and she's asking about two teachers she's had, both that are black women. And she had this moment where she got kind of a, a silly look on her face and said, oh, I can't tell the difference between them. They both look the same to me, Uh about two black teachers. So just like you responded, there's that cringe factor. There's that like, oh, something's happening that is icky right now. And it could have been easy to sort of keep going with our meal, change the subject and move on. But here I'm a white person at the table with two women of color, one is whom my wife, and my kid just had this whoops that she's, she didn't know. Right. it's my job to not shame her, but to teach her. So I said, do you know that it is actually a stereotype that all black people look the same? So here she's half black and hadn't heard about that. And was like, what's stereotype again? Right, I'm so glad you asked. Even though we talk about it a lot, let's explain. A stereotype is when people make an assumption, a guess about how a whole group of people are Um, that is just not true and it can be really hurtful. So is it true that all black people look the same? Of course not. So you hear my tone of voice, right? Yeah. Talk to her, like not shaming, matter of fact, clear, taking lots of time, not wanting to embarrass her, but giving her definitions, giving her an opportunity to understand. So what what you just whoopsed about, that mistake you made, can actually be hurtful to people. And I don't Mm. think you knew that. I don't think you meant that. Mm. But I want you to do that again. And here's why. Um, And and connecting it to other things in her life that she knows. Like I actually brought in her stuffed animals for a minute and did a little like on the spot, like puppet show, like how would Lammy feel if, you know. Right, right. Um, Because when she knows she's in trouble, her age eight goes down to age four for a minute those eyes and so I made sure to like also help her little girl inside know hey boo you're not bad and what you just said can be hurtful let's undo that and then next time you know um let's let's not mix people up and assume that they look the same that's not nice to do that's not okay yeah um so you know and then we moved on and then we moved on and then we were like talking I mean the conversation then went to other Um, like deeper, interesting cultural conversations that like our guests brought in and it just kind of got normalized. But my wife thanked me after and said, thank you for being the one to talk about that in that moment so that I didn't have to. Oh my goodness. So I have chills and just thank you so much for sharing such a vulnerable conversation. And I know that there are moms that are listening right now, myself included, that have had their kids make remarks like that, that are about a stereotype about an assumption being made because of one experience that then that whole generalization, whether it's around different races, different genders, different things around sexuality, you know, sexual orientation, whatever it is, 
And I just, I love that you named that and that you talked about it in a way that was not shaming and then didn't just let it pass by. Because I know sometimes, you know, for a lot of us, um, um, you know, in those moments, we don't actually end up speaking up because we don't know what to say. So it's like, if we can approach it as a curious conversation and then also make analogies. I know when my, um, when my daughters have said anything like that, I'm always like, gosh, well, mommy has blonde hair. And you know what? There's a stereotype that blonde hair means that you're dumb, that you're an airhead, that you don't have any thoughts. Is mommy dumb? No, mommy, you're not dumb. I know, isn't that amazing? And so I guess there's some blonde people that aren't as smart. And then there's some blonde people that are brilliant. Isn't that interesting? Well, yes, it is. And so it's like bringing it back into our, you know, and I heard a rumor that girls can't play sports, you know, or whatever it is. And like doing it in a way that's playful so that they can have their own light bulb moment around, oh, wow. I don't want someone making those assumptions about me. So I'm not going to make those assumptions about anyone else. And I wouldn't make that assumption about you and so on and so forth, but doing it in a way that's playful and doing it in a way that's not shaming, but doing it. But doing it and trusting that that's how we raise kids that then on the playground, when someone says something um, that's rude, then they know what to say and how to say it. That's right. Hey, Did you know that's actually a stereotype? Let's not talk like that. Oh, hey, that's not cool. Don't say that. They then can be empowered to be the kind of allies that um, we're hoping to raise. Yes. So we're modeling for them what to do. Yes. And and we don't do anything. I saw her little smirk. She knew she was saying something that was not cool. She maybe didn't know why. Yeah. But had I let it go, that also would have taught her something. Yes. Gosh, consciousness and trying as best we can, mamas, to be conscious moms that are raising conscious children, it's work. It's just work. And when the shit storms come up, like get ready, flex those muscles and get even stronger. Every opportunity allows us to build more resiliency, more courage, and to release the fragility whether no matter what we're talking about, but those places, the hard conversations to get even more skilled at it. And I just feel so honored. And this is one of the reasons why I'll also put Kid Power in the resources here because it's been such a wonderful thing. I did a Kid Power workshop and then I just have to also plug Go Girls Camp, which is something that Spotlight Girls does. And this is why every single summer, as my daughter said, mommy, I've been going there since I could, since I could when she did Go Girls Camp and was on the the Go Girls Productions level, which is like the new level for older kids. And, you know, I just felt like, I just am so grateful that we can have these conversations at home. And then she goes to a camp every single summer for two weeks that, re-solidifies these ideas and has her understand how to be a better ally and and gives her actual tangible tools to use in those moments. So thank you to you and to Lynn for being the co-owners of Spotlight Girls and for all the work that you're doing there and Go Girls Camp. I just, I feel so grateful. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. Thank you for all your work and for having me to be a part of it. And mm. truth telling is my jam. So thank <laughs> you for making this space. And um, I just, I'd be so honored to come back anytime. Absolutely. So the last question here before we wrap up okay, cool. is a question that I ask all the mamas that are on the Mama Truth Show. And that is what's messy and what's magical about motherhood for you these days? Oh, I love it. That <laughs> changes week to week, doesn't it? It um, does, yeah. Right now, what's magical for me is seeing my daughter emerge 
in her most confident self. Mm. I'm getting glimpses of that more and more often. And sometimes it takes my breath away where I'm like, there she is. Yeah. That's her real personality. That's her core essence. That's her feeling like I got this. Mm. Uh, it's so magical. Um, the messiness I would say is literally the flip side where, um, because her confidence is getting so strong, the fall, the fallback is deeper and bumpier right. um, than usual. <laughs> so, uh, the messy week is literally around um, her feeling anxious about her new level of academics in third grade and needing mm. to control her environment more. And she and I are getting in little, um, you know, arguments in a way that has, didn't happen all summer, not once. And so it's messy to sort of own my own part in the energy I bring into the room and to not engage in power struggles. That's my mess right I, now. I, I feel you. I feel you, mama. And I'm getting it from a three-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I feel you. <laughs> I get it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Well, Allison, again, thank you so very much for being here, for talking to us about the shitstorms, for talking to us about the hard conversations, for talking to us about how to become even more conscious moms and raise conscious children. I deeply appreciate it. And with that, mamas, until next week, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>